Hello, welcome to Slumber Party Cinema Club, a podcast for the movies that you've seen a thousand times and the silliest and serious conversations they start. I'm one of your hosts, Katie. And I'm your other host, Kate. I forgot how to speak English just now. That's okay. It's been a, it, it's been a week. Yeah, it sure has. Um, especially for you. We won't go into job specifics on your job, but your job has been you know, busy. My, my job <laughs> got a little complicated today, so I am currently calling in from my office, which is why my sound is not as crisp and clear as it usually is when I have my snowball bike. But uh, we're making it work, and... Uh, yeah, this is a nice a welcome uh, distraction from some of the more stressful things that have been going on uh, for me this week. So thanks for uh, everyone who's tuning in. And thank you, Katie, for um, recording this episode with me tonight. And I'm so excited to do the movie that we're talking about today, which we decided to do after you texted me, uh, what was it, over the weekend? And you were like, I'm watching this movie for the first time ever. And I was like, oh, my God. Like we have to do it on the podcast. Yeah, it was definitely one of those. Uh, I saw it was for free on on Prime, and I was like, you know what? It's a Sunday night, and I don't know what else I'm gonna do. So sure, let's play that because I had never seen it before, and and it had been long on my list of movies that I should I should have probably seen a while ago, but now I have, and I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, me too. So um, let's pop into it, I say. So our movie today that we are discussing is the 1999 romantic drama, high school romantic drama, Cruel Intentions. High school's a stretch. I know it takes place with them all in high um, school, but high school is such a stretch. Why did they choose to make it to make it about high schoolers like probably like a teen money making thing because they were like teens are the ones that are going to go see this movie. So we have to make it about high schoolers, but good God. First, we should probably mention what the movie is. Oh, I said, I said. Further into that. Cruel Intentions. There we go. <laughs> I said, yeah, okay, I said it. <laughs> I the film yet. Okay. Yes, yes. Cruel Intentions um, based off of, uh, well, I wouldn't say based off of an early, earlier film. It's based off of a French novel written a couple of centuries, I think, or maybe a century before the movie was made, but then resurrected as a stage play and then created into a movie called Dangerous Liaisons, which is uh, an incredible watch. Highly recommend for anyone who likes Cruel Intentions if you haven't seen it yet. And then they took that movie and they turned it into this high school question mark uh, teen drama that is just so deliciously 1999. Yeah, that was like one of the things that I said to you while watching this movie is you have to keep remembering that these people these characters are supposed to be in high school because there's nothing nothing high school about it like they aren't in school this this whole movie is supposed to take place over like the summer before school starts yeah so they're not even recently graduated they're going back to high school yeah i i assume as seniors but god who the fuck knows i mean really (laughs) Uh, please i hope at least that but yeah like there's nothing they don't dress like typical high schoolers they don't speak like typical high schoolers they don't there's no 
prom, dance. There are no social cliques, really. Like, it's just, it's essentially Gossip Girl, which I never really watched Gossip Girl, but it's sort of gossip. It's got the Gossip Girl vibe where it's like, it's, it's, it it's all these, yeah. it's uh, it's all the Upper East Siders. It's the Upper East Siders, uh, wealthy, their parents, the whole, pre- like the whole thing takes place <laughs> while their parents are on vacation. And so they're, they're gone and unreachable. Um, which leaves them to just be running the house themselves, you know, running the show themselves. So yeah, so it's it's super wealthy neo adult. So fun fact about this movie, Kate, Cruel Intentions was the first R-rated movie I ever saw. Really? It was when I was 12 years old. So around the same time that the movie came out, like the same year, I watched it at a sleepover. <laughs> Perfect pick for today then. <laughs> yeah, with other friends. I remember like definitely never telling my mom that we watched the movie. And I want to say me and my friends sneakily watched the movie because we definitely watched it after her parents were like in bed. Yeah, it was the first it was the first rated R movie that I ever saw. And it fucking blew my mind. (laughs) (laughs) It really, it really harmed my worldview. I had such an innocent baby, 12 year old mind. It was just not, it was probably not a good movie for me to see, even at 12. You you were very much, you were very much the Selma Blair Cecile character in the situation. You know what? To be honest, yeah, a little bit, but (laughs) (laughs) like it just really, it did a number on me for sure. (laughs) emotionally and how did you recover like truly I don't know I remember like I was so just I was so like I was really upset by the movie (laughs) I can't explain it okay tell me more tell me more okay I was so upset by this movie right I like so I've always been a journaler or, or like kept a diary like even when I was young I did that and like one of the character traits um, that Sebastian, who's played by Brian Philippi, Philippe, I, you know, 20 years and I've never learned how to say his I name. believe it's Philippe. Yeah. Philippe. His character keeps a journal of like all of his um, conquests. And I was like, I could not bring myself to open my journal and write for like weeks because I was just so like, I had that weird connotation. It was just, I don't know. It just, it really threw me for a loop. Was it like journal <laughs> envy? Cause like his journal is pretty, is pretty elaborate when you mm. finally get to look like. It wasn't journal envy. Although God, that journal is such a cool fucking prop in that movie. Kudos mm-hmm. to the person or people who made it. Cause it's very cool. And I know you and I were talking about this. I, I said I'd always wanted to like screen cap to see if I could read parts of the journal to see, you know, what it says. And I didn't mm-hmm. do it, but people on the internet have done it. And I did some Googling and found people who were able to sort of decipher the scribble scripty cursive that Sebastian writes in to like figure out a little bit more of what's in the journal. No, it was just like, I I, I think I was just totally, my, my little innocent baby brain was just so um, horrified at how evil people could be to each other. And I really was not, I was not ready for that level of sexual discourse, we'll say. (laughs) (laughs) This was coming coming from a girl who at 12 years old was still very into church, very into, you don't have sex until you're married. Like, Oh, yeah, I can imagine this would be traumatic then. Yeah, it was it was definitely wild. But 
I don't know. At some point I got over it and this became like literally one of my favorite movies. I feel like I say that about every crappy ass movie we talk about. <laughs> but no, I fucking love this movie. I think it's insane. I was going to say, and look at you now. <laughs> yeah. What did you think of the movie, Kate? Uh, watching it now in the year of our Lord uh, 2024. I think my biggest thing was regret, honestly. That I didn't see it sooner And maybe not that I didn't see it when I would have been traumatizing to me, i.e. you. That I didn't get to experience a first watch of it when I was closer to high school or college age. Mm -hmm. Because as an adult, like the entire, I'm the entire time, I'm just like, I know, I know the plot. I know what's going to happen because I know the story, like, but the the 90s-ness of it all, I'm like, I I really, now it's just charming as opposed to like groundbreaking that I see it, I think closer to when I came out and closer to when I was that age. I think there are a lot of things about the movie that sort of like hit the zeitgeist. One being on a deeper level, I suppose, the whole narrative around choosing to wait. Yeah. I.e. choosing to wait to have sex. And in this particularly, and the thing that sort of attract the character of Sebastian to the character of Annette initially is that she publishes a manifesto in 17 magazine which i used to read <laughs> she published mm-hmm. she writes about how she plans to wait and it's like it's honestly it's a very mature reflection i think for a teenager because mm-hmm. and she says it in the movie too like she doesn't think that teenagers are mature enough to understand the feelings of being in love So they shouldn't experience the quote act of love until they are in love. So her, Mm -hmm. hers is less like waiting until marriage and more waiting until to be in love. Mm -hmm. And obviously this was in a time before we sort of had conversations and terminology around types of sexuality, like asexuality or demisexuality. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, we were just in, in, in this movie, we were just like they're they're dealing with some stuff um that honestly dangerously Asensen talk about um having to do with race and homosexuality but yeah it was it was we we're still very primitive compared to where we are now yeah for sure on the other end of that spectrum you have Catherine played by Sarah Michelle Geller, who genuinely likes to have sex and because she likes to have sex, it's a, it's essentially a secret that she has to keep because if, you know, she is out there with her sexuality, you know, she's going to get called a slut and a whore. Mm-hmm. She has like, mm-hmm. she actually has like a really good little monologue in the movie that I think is like definitely a moment for the, for all the moments that like the character of Catherine is just a fucking sociopath and is absolutely evil <laughs> to the core. And she is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this the monologue that she has about being the quote Marsha fucking Brady of the Upper East Side. You just want to stand up and like Orson Welles clap for her because it's so fucking true. And then like she's also it's 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 also a weird like she has a weird point about how like she gets to paraphrase a little she gets dumped for innocent virgins. I think I think that was like a big society narrative at the time where any heroine has sort of this Disney princess quality to her. Mm-hmm. Like she the wakes up. Yeah, it, yeah, essentially. Like she wakes up beautiful and blonde with birds singing and, you know, perfect skin and hair. She's always happy. She's never snarky. Yeah, I, it's definitely, because like 
again, like I was watching it and the entire time I was thinking about Dangerous Ladies on from 1988, which had Glenn Close and John Malkovich in the mm-hmm. two lead roles. You ever thought that John Malkovich couldn't be sexy? That movie is strangely, like he's strangely appealing in the movie. He's very um, charming. Whole, he's very charming. Well, he, he, you know, has to be. He's trying to seduce Uma Thurman at one point, And then he, the, the main goal, the Reese Witherspoon of Dangerous Ladies on from 88 is Michelle Pfeiffer. And mm-hmm. her story is that she she has not declared that she will, you know, wait until marriage. That was or or wait wait on having sex until she's, you know, a bit older. She's just recently married. So it's very much her honor as opposed to, you know, mm-hmm. the social constructs that, that Reese Witherspoon's character is is carrying with her. And it's the same concept, right? Glenn, you know, the um Marquise de Martoul was played by Glenn Close makes this this deal with him for the same exact stakes like except for the car <laughs> she doesn't want yeah to. there's no cars in this um but pretty much you can seduce her then you can have me back because they're ex-lovers and so like I spent a lot of the time thinking about the differences and how they had updated it just as I mentioned the car you know and cruel intentions mm-hmm. the fact that they're high school students so you know and they're on break they've got their characters to feel who's coming in and she's you know new to the whole private school thing and so her mother who's the incredible Christine Baranski, who's good in everything. She's oh my in, God. Yeah. Is all, you know, concerned about, you know, her fitting in. And also she's a raging racist. Uh, so, no, she's yeah, not. Just, uh, no, she's not Kate. Her husband and her donated money to Colin Powell. That's right. I forgot they donated <laughs> money to Colin Powell. Yes. But Sorry, she go absolutely on. does not want her daughter. Yes. But she absolutely does not want her daughter dating, uh, Sean Patrick Thomas in the movie. Uh, Mm-hmm. Even though he's like, I think the best looking guy in the whole movie, maybe. Yeah. Also, like I was thinking about this the other day. We don't even know how old he is. Like, apparently, he's trying to go to Juilliard for music, but yeah. like, yeah, how how old is he? And then him and like, and yes. Selma Blair is new to the high school. So is she a transfer student or is she a freshman? Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> there are so many like gray areas. It gets more uncomfortable the more you question it. Yeah. And the thing, it's such, Selma Blair does such a good job in the movie. Like she's just, that woman can't not be amazingly fucking funny and endearing in anything that she's in. And Is like, it like a you, club? It's like a secret society. Yeah. <laughs> so, she, so she does a whole dance. Um, the secret sluts club that her and Catherine are a part of, except they don't talk about it. But no, she like, I was thinking about this last time. So like the whole problem with her is that Catherine's ex dumps her for Cecile because he likes Cecile. And then like, there's also Ronald who's into Cecile. I'm like, how is Cecile getting all of these dudes to like pay attention to her when she's like this little baby girl, <laughs> essentially? Yeah, I was young, right? But I mean, I think it comes back to what you were saying. It's the same thing with that Disney princess, virginal wakes up in the morning, birds everywhere concept, because that's what she is, right? She's just, she's just a baby. Like, yeah. they can take care of her. Yeah, I'm like, is it supposed to be like a, a little bit of an exaggeration? I, I, I don't know. And like, when I say like, she's young, like not just in age, but in like the way that she acts. Yeah, she's wearing like a koala t-shirt when she first walked. Like, that's what takes you out. Like, it's so stylized. All of these, these people are so stylized in the way that they dress. Ryan mm-hmm. Philippe and um, Sarah Michelle Gellar are dressed like they're in their mid-20s the entire time 
maybe mm-hmm. a little bit older. And then Reese Witherspoon's costumes are very, uh, not juvenile, but very innocent, sweet, prim, feminine. Mm-hmm. And then you get Selma Blair's first scene and she's wearing like, is she wearing shorts or a skirt? Because her legs are, like, she's sitting on the couch and her legs are just kind of sitting there. Like, Yeah, she's wearing like a khaki skirt because, yeah, uh, Sebastian. Yeah, and, and a t-shirt that her dad got her from Australia. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's got a big koala on it. She's, she breaks the mold in such a delightful way. She's sitting in this very opulent apartment and she's wearing a tourist t-shirt and a khaki skirt. And it's clear that like her mother really wants her to like grow up and be a lady, <laughs> I suppose. Mm-hmm. It but is not in certain ways, yes. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting how things like that sort of translate from like the original novel or, you know, the... 80s movie to the 90s version with uh society and and expectation of how one behaves and acts well and there there is a common there is a common thread in this uh swoozy kurt who shows up in the beginning of of cruel intentions Mm -hmm. as uh the therapist dr greenbaum she was in the 1988 dangerous liaisons movie too so that's right i forgot about that which i do love that it opens with it opens with um, Sebastian being in therapy to talk through his issues. And of course, you know that it's all fake because he walks out and you figure out that he's been pulling the same stunts on the therapist's own daughter. But I really like the fact they open with that. It really did. Between that and the journal, it really made me think of the Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode with Dennis and him, his, his memoirs. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and all the notebooks. He's, he's kept detailing all of the women he's slept with. And... There's a little cameo there by Tara Reed, who plays the daughter. Yes. Yeah. Tara Reed plays Marcy. I enjoy that that scene too, because it's like Susie Kurtz as like a therapist is also uh presented as a little bit of a shit because she gives Sebastian her book that she wrote. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Yes, mm-hmm. it's yours, and then writes a note to herself that says Bill for Book. <laughs> Yeah, a nice a nice little dig at the therapy uh, industry in the late '90s. What what would they saw it as in the late '90s? Yeah, well, because therapy in the '90s was sort of a self indulgent, like rich person thing to do. Mm-hmm. It was before so. we became again this movie. Like it's it's such a time capsule of like, yeah. a whole bunch of ideas and, and issues. And I mean, there's the whole. I I do commend it because I think of how a lot of late 90s and early 2000s movies handled same-sex relationship because like you do have that situation where Sebastian essentially blackmails a guy because he finds out that he's he's in a same-sex sex relationship uh, and is into guys and I think he's on the football team or some yeah. some kind of team from this high school and he uses that to, to blackmail him so mm, not great but they don't treat it like it's a disgusting thing or a horrible thing or this is something that this person is like a moral failing in this person. They just treat it as like, oh, yeah, no, people would be shocked to know this. So uh, I'll just hold this over your head until you give me what I want. Yeah, this guy is not out of the closet because of his own internalized homophobia. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Speaking of, you know, same sex relationships. Um, and going back to moments in the zeitgeist, there's the scene where Catherine is teaching Cecile how to kiss. And Sarah Michelle Gellar and Selma Blair have that nice little tongue kiss moment in Central Park, which I just found out today. I never knew this was a thing. I guess Selma Blair's mom saw that scene and was like, did you have to use so much tongue? (laughs) Yes, mom, method acting. Uh... (laughs) 
But I remember that being like such a big deal. Um, two women kissing in a movie, like ooh, lesbians and TM. <laughs> and like, you know, they were nominated for like an MTV movie award for best kiss. And I want to say they won and kissed at the movies. At the award show, I mean. Okay. Um, Was this similar to like the year that Madonna and Britney did that? I think so. It might have. Maybe they won or maybe they didn't. I don't remember. But I definitely remember them being nominated. Because, of course, back then, the only place that a same-sex kiss would be nominated would be on MTV. Right. Well, and then, then, what, three years later at the VMAs, 2003 was when Britney Spears and Madonna did their their famous kiss that's yeah which christina aguilera was also a part of but she never she's never a part of that conversation true true she always really gets forgotten another thing i really love about this movie and you guys and we chatted about it a little bit was the the soundtrack is so fucking good the soundtrack is so good i was surprised like i was expecting it to be all like 1999 bubblegum pop whatever the the girl group or the the boy groups, you know, boy band kind of thing was going to be. I was really surprised, like all the way to the end with Bittersweet Symphony. Yeah, it's like a really great sampling of alternative artists from the 90s. I think probably the most, I don't know, the most mainstream song is probably, well, I guess Bittersweet Symphony by the verb, but I would say like Love Fool by the Cardigan. Yeah, but, um, that one's in there. Well, and, and and maybe it was because of the movie, but um, Counting Crows, Colorblind. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I only know that song because of this movie, but this movie also got me into Placebo, which oh, they yeah. have the, that's the opening, right? The opening song, Every You, Every Me, which is so good. Such a good opener. <laughs> But that's like a really cool band. I want to say they they had more popularity like either in Europe or, you know, Britain. Well, yeah, yeah. and they said that like when the movie came out, the the sales for the Verge, Fair Sweet Symphony like skyrocketed. And it makes me think of like what we're seeing right now and what we've seen over 2023, right? Um, even back in, believe it or not, it was almost a year ago when Last of Us was uh, the television show we were all watching on Sunday nights. And Linda Ronstadt's music got super popular again because they used it in one of the most heart-wrenching beautiful episodes of television ever made mm-hmm. um and then we see it now because murder on the dance floor which was a hit back in like 2006 and now because of the end of Saltburn, uh is back on the chart <laughs> i did you see Saltburn? i did i did not I... see it with my parents unlike a lot of very scarred people on the internet <laughs> yeah i yeah don't i saw this really funny meme on probably on instagram because i'm never on tiktok but it was like book recommendations for people who loved salt burn and then it's like the bible <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah you know my my biggest comment about salt burn is that everyone's talking about the bathtub scene like scene and mm-hmm. maybe that just scarred everyone so much that they don't recall that it gets worse and there's the grave scene. Yeah, I think I know what you mean by the bathtub scene. I haven't I haven't seen the movie. I almost want to see it just so I can be like, oh my God, along with everyone else. But mm-hmm. we'll see if it ever happens. <laughs> if you do, I have a thought that someone expressed on the internet that I really, really like to talk about, um, but I'm not going to do it on this episode. Okay. (laughs) 
I'm interested. I'm intrigued. Teaser. It's a <laughs> teaser about art imitating life. Um, all right, all right. Um, so I know another uh, aspect of this movie that interested you, Kate, that teased your senses was finding out that there was a prequel to this movie made like 10 years later. Yes. Uh, with with Sarah Michelle Geller too. Like it wasn't just uh, we're gonna recast this and hope no one notices, or we're gonna recast this and hope no one cares. Well, okay. So I have seen Cruel Intentions too. Um, it's been a while, so my knowledge is a little shaky. But um, she's not in it very much because actually her character is played by Amy Adams. Really good mm-hmm. on Amy. That'd be early in her career. Yeah, yeah, very early because this was like, when did this come out? Was it 10 years later or was it like a year later? It was a year later. I'm wrong. Why did I say 10 years later? It's because I don't know what time it is. So Cruel Intentions 2 colon Manchester Prep um, was initially ordered as a television show and it was supposed to be on Fox. And then Fox was like, so they filmed a pilot episode and then two more episodes. And then Fox was like, um, maybe not. Like, <laughs> especially Rupert Murdoch. He was very much like, no, we cannot. Absolutely. No, no, no. So they shot some additional footage, like added some nudity, changed some dialogue and turned it into a movie. <laughs> and... <laughs> It's bad, <laughs> believe it or not. Well, so see, where you got the 10 years later, though, is actually because it wasn't 10 years later. It was uh, 17 years later. There was a TV movie called Cruel Intentions, and that's where Sarah Michelle Geller popped back up. Oh, okay. And and the premise of that. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I, okay, I remember this. this. Yeah, I have so many questions because it's 15 years after the death of her brother, villainous Catherine Mertuel seeks to manipulate her nephew Bash, I love that his name is Bash, and gain control of the family business, Valmont International. So my question is, whose kid is Bash? Because we don't know if she has any other siblings. And if she doesn't have any other siblings, that means it's technically her step-nephew. And that would mean that before Sebastian died, he ended up having a kid, a plant inside of of Reese Witherspoon's character. Yeah. Okay. That one, I, I totally forgot about that came out and I did not see that one. So this is, this is where I'm just, I am so curious to see this because I want to know if Annette had a kid when she was in high school because of that one time. Oh my God. Which would really suck. Right. I mean, like you make this big deal of like how you're going to wait. And then like the one you get you you like be like, hey, listen, you know what? I'm actually I've decided against that. We are I'm gonna do this. I'm happy about this decision. And that's how you get pregnant. And then of course, I would imagine after Sebastian, spoiler alert, dies tragically, trying to save her from an oncoming car, which does <laughs> happen. And it is the best hit and run scene apart from Meet Joe Black. <laughs> See, I have to imagine that that would probably give her like this feeling like I must keep this child. Yeah. Speaking of Reese Witherspoon and pregnancy and this movie, there was kind of a popular rumor back in the day that Reese Witherspoon filmed this movie while pregnant with her and Ryan Felipe's first kid. That's right. But the math, the math doesn't math. To the math. Yeah, the math is a little bit off. And actually, she was not pregnant. They did start dating while filming the movie. Yeah, and didn't they get married like three months after it came out or something? Yeah, and then had their first 
daughter a little over a year after the movie came out. So yeah, math did not math there. Yeah, it was a it was a popular rumor that they that she was pregnant while they were filming. Also, I remember like one of my friends saying like, oh, they were really having sex in that sex scene. And I was like, oh, while in my head, I was like, I'm sure they weren't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, because they they were actually when they're putting this together, they were being really careful. Um, with how they were casting it. So Roger Cumble, who Cumble, Cumble, mm-hmm. um, who directed the, the film and was also one of the writers. He is the writer. The other writer that's credited is the author of the original novel. Um, <laughs> he was asking every um, actress who came in specifically for Cecile how old they were because he wanted to make sure that they were going to be of age for the scene that they had to do with Sebastian. That wouldn't be too uncomfortable. And I guess when Selma Blair walked in, he was like, how old are you? And she like responded like that bratty tone. She's like, well, how old are you? And he was like, yeah, that, that was like so memorable. We had to hire her once we knew that she was old enough to do the part. Stories like that are always so funny to me, like in Hollywood, because it's like, yeah, that's really funny. And like, but who would have the balls to like, speak to a casting director that way mm-hmm. or the director of the film yeah well someone who wants the role and knows who the role is supposed to is supposed to be yeah but oh going back to the the cruel intentions prequel for just a moment and talking mm-hmm. about con- continuity issues because <laughs> Catherine, what how does she have a nephew how did that work out but in the prequel quote unquote which again we're back in high school right and this is a prequel to Cruel Intentions. So are they juniors here? Are they sophomores? Are they, God forbid, freshmen and they're still fucking acting like this? Like, oh my God, get some Jesus. But anyways, <laughs> like there's there's some continuity issues with like, so you actually get to meet Sebastian's father and Catherine's mother, who are the two that get married and they have recently gotten married. And so Sebastian is recently getting acquainted with this rich kid world. And apparently he is a little bit of a troublemaker, but not necessarily like a manipulator the way that Catherine is. And he he is saying, he is trying to, his whole plot point is like, he's going to be a better guy as he's able to like start over at like a new school with like new people and, all this stuff. And of course, like everything's sort of working against him to pull him down. And the plot is essentially the same fucking plot as Cruel Intentions, the first movie. (laughs) It's all the same characters. They hit sort of like similar beats. It's it's the same movie, really. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Except he doesn't die, obviously, because he goes on to Right. He grows up to be Ryan Felipe in i don't know six months later when the movie takes place but i know like that's that's a really good thing like that's a really interesting thing that you say that he's trying to be better and obviously he fails at the end of that movie right because he goes on to be who he is in the in the the actual movie of cruel intentions but it does there is like a character disconnect for me with why like with the therapist's daughter with tara reed when Mm -hmm. he posts like he does like a, a kind of like a spoof on her mom's book cover and yeah. like, like it's a nude photo of her. Right. Yeah. And like, it just doesn't fit. Cause it doesn't, it, he did the same thing with a little bit with like Selma Blair with, with Cecile to mm. get her to, to give it up. And, but like, it just, it's like, to what end? Like, why would you do that? Like, 
and it doesn't feel like he ever really truly atones for that yeah he sort of gets into a little bit of revenge porn and it kind of seems to me like maybe part like part of the reason that he's like quote-unquote bored with sleeping with all these women is because he sort of has the seduction game down to a step one step two step three sort of system Mm -hmm. Um, he wants a bigger challenge the girl who wrote the manifesto in the um in 17 magazine is a perfect challenge yeah yeah and like it also seems like maybe he has he does like the camera thing with all of these women as like just in case he needs it for like insurance for any blackmail purposes, mm. which is and gross. he puts it in his journal, his his art, his his piece of art journal. His, end up in there too, probably. His really cool journal. Where I love, I think what got me was like I did pause it when you first see it because at the very end, right, the the copies of the journal get distributed among the class, mm-hmm. and the entire journal is pretty much all the reasons that Catherine's horrible. But I really yeah. <laughs> The first thing you see is the picture of her. It's a glamour shot of her and all the things he's written around it. And the very first one that my eye went to was Coke problem. Coke problem. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's another thing about her. She does Coke and she sort of keeps it hidden. And um, a crucifix around her neck. Which I guess it's really kind of a cool little accessory. But I guess if you do Coke. It really is. <laughs> It's very but, cool. If you were to do color, and I like that there's like that that line she has where she's like, just remember if you have it, like if you start getting tired of it or you start having problems, just turn to the Lord. And like she holds her crucifix. Yeah, she says when she starts feeling peer pressured, she just turns to Jesus and he helps me through. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, one of the things I was going to say about, well, you were saying that there's a disconnect with some of like Sebastian's character motivations. I will go ahead and spoil the end of the Cruel Intentions prequel for everyone. If you still want to watch the movie, (laughs) it probably won't affect your enjoyment of it. (laughs) So here we go. If not, you know, skip ahead like 20 seconds. But the the movie ends with the girl who's essentially the version of Annette in this movie. Turns out to actually be playing Sebastian. And she is also a bad girl and a friend of Catherine's. And when he finds this out, he sort of looks at the camera and does a like Muppet shrug and is like, well, if you can't beat him, join him. And like, that's kind of how it ends. Oh my God. You had me. You had me with that she's just, she's playing Sebastian as own game. I'm like, I would watch that movie. And then you gave me the Muppet shrug. I Maybe not. I'm like not even exaggerating. Like he's just, just like whelp, and then you know just goes for the threesome. But yeah, it's a fucking bad movie. God bless uh, Amy Adams though for being in it and being who she is now. Yeah, multiple Academy Award nominee, mm-hmm. amazing actress. Which I mean could bring us to where the actors in this movie went. I mean, Sarah Michelle Geller obviously is forever and always going to be Buffy in our hearts. And in fact, that's why uh, Christine Baranski said she would do the movie because she had two daughters who were obsessed with Buffy. And so she said, sure, I'll be in a movie with Buffy. Oh, I love that. Brian Philippe and, and yeah, right. I love when I get those stories. Like, especially like when you hear um, like Richard Harris took on the role of Dumbledore just because he wanted some movie to make some movie that his grandkids could, grandkids could watch him in. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I just like stories like that. So yeah, so she she's 
she's still, you know, she's, she's iconic on it in her own right. Obviously we all know Reese Witherspoon ended up winning an Oscar for walk the line. She mm-hmm. is part of this, this concept of the best actress curse, which is uh, any woman who wins a best acting award or best actor award in a lead role uh, ends up getting divorced within the next year or so. Oh, so I Reese never knew that was a thing. And Ryan Philippe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Reese Witherspoon and Ryan Philippe um, divorced shortly after she won her Oscar for Walk the Line. Mm-hmm. Um, other famous uh, women who have had this happen include <laughs> Natalie Portman and Sandra Bullock. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I never realized that was like a theory. It wasn't really, it's not really a theory. It's just an interesting pattern to pick up on. And it's misogynist and it's it's hard, right? Because it's like, oh, see, you win the award and you lose your husband. But, you know, yeah, it's just an interesting pattern that's happened. I like to think of it. They win an award and all of a sudden their husbands become man children that want to split up the marriage or in Jesse James case, just continue being a man whore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. God, Sandy B is just like one of my biggest crushes in Hollywood. I can't, who would do that? I had no idea that Sandy B has a lesbian bar in Tennessee. I heard about this recently. Yeah. You've heard of that because Taylor Swift showed up there. Yeah. <laughs> yep that's definitely why <laughs> but yeah any closing thoughts about cruel attentions you know i like i said at the top i'm still bummed i didn't see this movie when i was a teenager because i or you know a little bit older than a teenager because mm-hmm. god knows that this is not going to be on the list of movies that mama everson was going to let me watch i know i had friends that were probably watching it when i was in high school i mean this came out in 1999 right i was eight when this movie came out yeah I almost wonder if it was just not cool anymore by the time I hit the age to see it. Maybe. Like we, we, we were like, cause we were in, we were in, I was in high school, 2000, 2005 through 2009. Right. So like we were starting to get the forgetting Sarah Marshall's, you know, all the, the raunchier comedies that were mm-hmm. coming out and we weren't really that interested in movies about people our age at that point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it makes me, I would love to go back and just see, cause I know like my friend Amanda, I believe had a copy of this on DVD or VHS that was like always on her TV, you know, on her TV stand. And we never watched it together. We should have though. I would have liked that. I would have liked to have seen this when I was at an impressionable age instead of the jaded, much more aware of myself 32 than I am. <laughs> I feel like uh, movies like this existed. So like this walked so euphor- euphoria could run. 100%. That is such a, yeah, exactly. That's another thought I had. Yes. This, this is very much in the mood board for euphoria. Absolutely. Well, with that thought, you know, there are many other thoughts we could have about Cruel Intentions and I'm sure there are things we have missed um so please let us know you can follow us online at slumber party cinema club either on instagram or x slash twitter yeah and uh, as we get closer to award season just know that uh, i think i'm going to be doing another live uh live tweeting of the oscars i don't know when exactly they're airing but uh Whatever night it is, I will be uh, live tweeting from our, our X handle if we still have it at that point. We, we shall see. Katie, you were working on threads for a little bit, so we may migrate over there by that time. But uh, if you've got any thoughts on, on the recent award winners at the Golden Globes this past week or uh, the SAG nominees that came out this week, or you have some thoughts on Oscar content you want to see, please let us know because you know, we're still playing together our editorial calendar and we are happy to uh, take requests. 
Yes, we are. And with that, uh, I will bid you adieu, as the French say, and that feels very appropriate since this is sort of a French movie, novel, whatever. I'll stop talking. (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, thanks for listening, guys. (laughs) We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.